we say Islam is peace, which is absolute propaganda. Uh, Islam means submission. Islam means surrender. The world, the word Islam literally means submit. Welcome to the show today. We have a very special guest, uh, Iranian Christian. He is involved with Iranian Christians International. He is the author of a book, Forsaking My Father's Religion. And uh, his name is Mohammed, Mohammed Faridi. And Mohammed's going to share with us his story. Uh, my name is Mohammed Faridi. I'm the president of Iranian Christians International, located in city of Colorado Springs, Colorado, and um, um, we are involved in the lives of Muslims. I'm a former Muslim myself. I came to know the Lord 16 years ago in the city of Tehran in Iran. Um, some may pronounce it Iran, and that is true. I did ran. So, and um, um, I, uh, I was born and raised uh, into a Muslim family. Um, a family that took pride in having martyrs, shedding blood for Islam, a family that um, there was a street under their name because of the sacrifice that they um, had, the sacrifice that they uh, committed for the sake of Islam. So uh, growing up in that kind of a family, in that kind of an environment, you have to uh, fulfill the Sharia of Islam, the Islamic law, the um, um, details of uh, this religion that supposedly uh, you submit to, and then um, you are um, you live according to those laws in order to be uh, satisfying to God, or satisfying to the God of Islam, which is Allah. So um, there are. Um, Sim, uh, simple things that you do on a daily basis, such as praying five times a day. You have to wash yourself before you can uh, even pray. So you go through this uh, ceremonial washing called wudu, that you wash seven places of your body, and then you stand before Allah facing Mecca. And uh, you, your prayer has to be facing Mecca, or he would not accept that prayer. So yeah, first you have to wash yourself Second, you have to be um, uh, in a specific times, of course, of the day to do your prayer and then facing Mecca. And even though we were, we are Iranians, we are Persians, we speak Farsi, we had to speak Arabic to God. We have to memorize chapters of the Quran, two chapters of the Quran and recite it back. So uh, uh, your understanding is not involved and um, you just... Um, they teach you how to memorize those verses, those chapters of the Quran, and then you recite it back, just like a parrot. And then um, I remember um, in the early ages uh, of my faith, uh, yeah, one time I asked my mom, um, can Allah accept my prayers in Farsi, in my mother tongue? And then um, she replied to me that, if you ask too many questions, that leads to doubt, and um, doubt leads to sin, and a, and and sinful Muslims 
will burn in hell. And that uh, she was quoting the Quran chapter 5, verse 101, which is clearly says that if you ask too many questions, uh, is doubting, doubting, is sinning, and sinning will be resulting in uh, being uh, punished by Allah. So I was afraid of Allah. I was afraid uh, to be thrown in hell and burn. And uh, we have a lot of um, cassette uh, tapes and the stories of people that crossed over this um, special Muslims that they crossed over and they seen uh, the afterlife, the after uh, 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 when it, when you are past this life to the next one, how difficult things in, things are and how ugly and and painful they could be. So they played those um, cassette tapes. They played those uh, um, supposedly after death experiences. So we were really operating in a lot of fear because Allah would burn you and then they give you a new skin and then the burning again. And it's a terrible place to be. And I didn't want to ask too many questions. And my mom clearly explained to me what Islam means. Even though in uh, West, we say Islam is peace, which is absolute propaganda. Uh, Islam means submission. Islam means surrender. The world, the word Islam literally means submit. So when you're a Muslim, you have submitted to Islam. The person that has submitted to Islam is a Muslim. So I submitted to Islam and I didn't want to burn in hell. So I did what they told me it is right before God and Allah. And um, I prayed five, five times a day. I fasted a whole month and um, I wanted to go to the uh, pilgrimage, go to the Mecca. It's mandatory for every Muslim to go at least once throughout their year, uh, throughout their um, life. And then um, you pay your alms, you pay a uh, uh, person of their, your income. There are so many things you do, but these are very, very, these are just the beginning of this uh, um, religion. It's not the main part. These are just the beginning of the religions. Um, and then um, let me explain this this part too. Islam uh, might be, you uh, you would think, okay, there's some pillars of faith and then you have to follow that and, and this and that, but dictates every aspect of your life from your marriage to, to the judge, to the jurisprudence, to the um, um, how far you can walk, what dress code, what, what is a dress code? What, what, what can you wear? How, uh, how, how, um, or you can grow or how long you can grow your beard. Every aspect, every details, even what foot you use to go to the bathroom. Everything of your life is completely dictated by the Islamic uh, Sharia. There are thick books written um, uh, called um, uh, to describe, to explain how to follow the Sharia of Islam. And... Um, you're just consumed by this religion every day of your life. I mean, uh, if, a, for example, a fly over uh, a fly flies over your drink or something, there is something about it. If, if, uh, uh, for example, you are standing before Allah and uh, then um, some thoughts, some sinful thoughts, comes to your mind, what's going to happen? Everything you're just constantly going back and forth between your uh, these books to find out if you're. Um, being a good Muslim. 
And I was trying to be a good Muslim. But when you sin, when you lie and cheat, of course, um, those days I didn't know that the uh, man is born with a sin nature. You cannot not sin. As a Muslim, I didn't know that. So you, you would try, strive to be good, but you just keep sinning and then and then be, uh, be, uh, being sorrowful and, and to feeling terrible and guilty and condemned. And then uh, and then we have this, um, in Shia sect of Islam, we have these self-flagellating uh, ceremonies. Uh, we, we, pay for, uh, we pay penance. So we sin and then we pay with punishing our body. Uh, we, we, we're punishing ourselves, with our, uh, we're punishing our bodies with beating ourselves to pay for the sins that we have committed, to kind of get rid of it, to judge your, to, to bring judgment upon ourselves in order to escape the judgment that is to come. So um, I just, I'm, just I'm, I'm going to describe how um, uh, gruesome this uh, self-flagellation ceremonies are. For example, um, uh, in a, it could happen in a mosque, in a house, in a shrine, doesn't matter. It just, Wherever the men would gather, it's just like um, um, if if you it's silly to even um, compare it with a Bible study, but you could have a Bible study in church or in a in or in a park or in a, a house. This is men would gather together only male. It's a Islam is the religion for male, so the male would gather the man would gather together, and then uh, it's the time because you have sinned. And uh, it's the anniversary of a death of an imam, a, 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 Muslim, a Muslim clergy, a, a, an Islamic figure. So you gather in this room, in this place, and then it's a time of eulogy. It's a time of mourning. It's a time of crying and wailing. And then um, the, the the leader of this ceremonies, uh, um, the clergy, the, the imam that is standing there, start um, singing this eulogy that has a rhyme it's like a song like a poem you start singing it but it has a rhyme it has a beat with those beat you start chanting the name of those those people that are dead and with that the belief is because those imams the the uh, shia shia sect of islam believes in uh, blood and uh if if anyone wants to be the muslim leader it has uh, it has to trace their blood to the self-claimed prophet of Islam. So uh, this blood uh, trace is very important in, in Shia Islam. So uh, this, uh, the belief is that the prophet of Islam had this son-in-law and his grandchildren are the successor of the Shia Islam. And they have a special place with the God of Islam. And if you earn favor with them, they will intercede for you in the day of judgment so you are trying to earn their satisfaction that they become the medium between you and god so how do you do that in the anniversary of their death you mourn and you weep and you cry for the death and then with the with the with those uh, eulogy that that imam the clergy start provoking the crowd to beat themselves it's part of the mourning ceremony you start beating yourself, you're half naked because it's time of morning. There's uh, black banners everywhere on, on, on that place. This is the Shrine Mosque or a house. It's covered with black banners. Uh, it's always in the evenings or in the places that is dark. 
And then uh, that person starts uh, recite that eulogy, sing it. And then with the rhyme, you start beating yourself on your chest with chains to your back and with a sword to your head. And you cut yourself up to shed blood, to punish your body that you can uh, pay for your sins and get rid of the condemnation, the guilt that is with you. I have done that many times in my life um, when I when I grow up, when I was a teenager. And um, I, I have been in ceremonies of people cutting themselves um, that the blood of the people was one, one to two inches to your ankles. And then you walk in it, and then you put their blood on their on your forehead because you believe that blood blood the shedding of the blood brings forgiveness, brings protection. So that's how your by shedding of this your blood, you um pay your for pay for your sins, pay penance, and then um um uh, you beat yourself to bruise yourself, and then uh, this is how you are trying to satisfy God and and earn. Uh, um, more points that you put on the right side of the scale that Allah will hold in the day of judgment. That you, but how much of these do you know? Do you have to do in order to know that you're you're saved or you're uh, guaranteed salvation? Absolutely, uh, you have no idea. The more you do, there's more to do, and there's like this race that you never will finish it. You never know you're gonna be. Uh, be enough you're never gonna measure up and all you're constantly battling with this that is 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 allah satisfied with me am i am i doing enough so that's how i grow up that's that's a part of my life as a muslim shia muslim in the country of iran it's a common practice self-flagellation is a common practice in shia islam you see it in pakistan afghanistan iraq a lot of yemen a lot of places it's a common practice and um, people cutting themselves, beating themselves uh, to the point that um, um, they, they they are at the point of death. They're just destroying their bodies in order to know that they are um, being, uh, um, they are pleasing Allah. And um, that's how I grow up. Uh, part of my um, daily life, uh, my Islamic uh, Sharia routine as a Shia Muslim. And then... Um, I finished high school, uh, uh, and um, it's mandatory to serve the military service for two years as a male, healthy. And I went on to the to my um, military service, but um, uh, the government um, assigned me to the uh, Revolutionary Guard of Iran, the Islamic IRGC, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard of Iran. Uh, and I was trained by them. It's the um, the um, religious. Um, branch of the army of iran that protects the islamic regime and does the proxy war outside of iran and so so many other things so many other evil things that they do and um actually president uh trump uh, uh um recognized the this group as a terrorist organization so for some of you that are slow i could say this is uh i was trained by a bunch of terrorists so i'm a former terrorist um uh, before meeting Christ. And um, uh, to go to just a little bit of details of my training, um, they try to keep the culture of war and martyrdom and jihad alive in you. And um, part of this training was that they took us to the um, uh, war zone between the two countries, Iran and Iraq, which which lasted for eight years between 1980s and 1988. 
They took us there, these young soldiers, devout Muslims. They took us to those war zones in those areas. And um, they show us, they showed us what it takes to be a good Muslim, what it what is necessary, what is what is lane of your life for a greater cause mean. And uh, that was part of our training. And then for us to fight the fear of death, they put us in empty tombs and graves to fight the fear of death. And uh, they said that we need to reunite your spirit with the spirit of martyrdom. So that's part of my uh, training. And then after I was uh, uh, done with my um, military service, I came home and I was um, looking for a purpose for my life and what I'm going to do with my life. And uh, through series of things, uh, I have this friend of mine that we grow up uh, together. And uh, I've known him uh, since we were six years old. He's three days older than me and we went to school on and on and his mom and my dad um, were uh, colleagues were uh, co-workers at the hospital so we know one another and then uh, when I went on to the military service uh, he was medically exempt because he had flat feet and um, so I wasn't sure what what is he doing with his life so when I came back uh, to uh, from the military service I called him up and then I asked him uh uh, how's he how are you doing what's going on and then um uh he told me that um after after uh, um being with him for a few minutes uh he told me that um he has become christian there was something about him different that day and uh, i just asked him asked him and then he eventually told me that he became christian and in my mind i i didn't understand what becoming christian means because uh muslim believe muslims all over the world, believe in fate. And um, uh, if you're born a Muslim, you'll die a Muslim. You don't change your religion. It's nothing optional to you. It's just, it didn't compute with my mind when he said, I've become Christian. So I kept asking and he tried to describe and describe and describe, but none of it made any sense. Absolutely no sense. And um, um, for about a couple hours, we went back and forth and back and forth. And I was trying to convince him he's in an error. He has committed sin and blah, blah, blah. And um, um, it just, this conversation didn't look like that is going anywhere. It was just like uh, a dead end situation. And then um, uh, the last thing he said to me, it, it was this sentence. This this is what how he described it. He said, um, uh, or didn't you ask the reason the, of the change in me? And I'm telling you, it is Christ, it is Jesus. And um, But I want to just tell you, if you allow him, if you allow Jesus, he will be your sacrifice too. He was beaten, he was bruised, he was punished, his precious blood was shed, he was crucified. He gave up his life that you have eternal life. And that is the one best thing I've ever heard in my life, in my whole life. This is the best thing I've ever heard. That moment when he said this, everything changed. This conversation wasn't an intellectual conversation anymore. It was something that went to my heart. It just caught my heart. And I just knew how wicked and how unable I am before God. How pitiful I am. It just, I was exposed before God. How naked I was before God. I had nothing to offer him. 
And I realize that everything I am trying to do to please God by beating myself, self-flagellating myself, cutting myself, it is already finished. It is all The debt is already paid. It is settled. And I was trying to settle a debt that was already settled. It wasn't working. It wasn't helping me. I was desperately trying to be pleasing to God. But God's, God was pleased through his son and what he has done. I just needed to know and receive it, humble myself and receive that. And when he said that, uh, it's just all the lies of Islam was exposed. That I have to do all of this. I have to earn this. I have to gain it. And when he said this, I just knew. I, it wasn't intellectual, as I said. It was spiritual. It was just something went to my heart. Hmm. And I yeah. felt in front of God on my knees. And I begged the guy, I begged my friend, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to receive this? Hmm. And he said, I want you to close your eyes and repent of your sins and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And that's what I did that day. And everything changed. When you made that decision, it's a completely different uh, making it in Iran versus making it in the United States. You probably had an idea that you were going to be an outcast, persecuted. Uh, what were the ramifications that you faced as a result of giving your life to Christ? At this moment, I didn't think about nothing. I just was, I was just, I just heard the truth. Mm. And I just wanted to accept it. And I just wanted to receive it. And I just wanted to have what my friend had. And after, after um, accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior and repent of my sins, in 23 years, in 23, this was the first time I felt peace. It was a new concept. It was a new dimension. Um, I did it. It wasn't important if I was killed that moment. I just knew the truth by the inner man. That this is what he says. It is the truth. This is what I was searching for. But I just didn't know even exist. I knew this is going to be the medicine to my problems. I always had this brawl with myself that I had to work. I had to be pleasing to God. I had to run. I had to punish myself. I had this brawl with myself that I have to do something. It was just that came to an end at that moment. I just knew that God is pleased with me through, the, through his son and what he has done. What the sacrifices I was trying to give, the, the, the religious acts, being pious, being, being good. It was nothing but filthy rag before God because mm -hmm. I was as sinful as anyone. Yeah. But what Jesus did, the sinless Lamb of God, that was what I was trying to gain. That was what I was trying to work for. I just didn't know. In that moment, I just knew the war is over. It's not me. It's not us. 
paying for our paying with our blood, paying for our with our lives for the sake of God's satisfaction. God has already set settled that debt. And um, after I accepted the Lord, after I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, um, in our country, according to the law of Iran and the Sharia of Islam, if a Muslim leaves Islam, that is apostasy. And apostasy is punishable by death. I pretty much that day signed my death warrant. I, gave, I just handed over to the Muslim community, to the Muslim world. I said, I'm worthy of dying because I have betrayed the Islamic faith. But do you think it mattered to me? I was searching for truth, and that day I just found it. That was it. Or the truth, you could say, found me. Not me finding it. It was the truth found me. God, out of mercy, he just reached his hand and touched my life and said, enough is enough. Yeah. What was the reaction of your father? Well, um, um, after this moment and after my friend left, I had to face the reality and a lot of doubt came to my mind. And um, I knew Islam very well as a, as a Muslim and I knew what, I, what, 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 has, what has happened. And uh, I said, maybe before I pub publicize this, I need to go on a journey that to know if what this is real, this is true. So I did, and I um, uh, went to a church in Iran in 2006 for the first time in my life, and I had a, I had an encounter with God, um, which is absolutely supernatural. There are no words to describe it. I just uh, was grabbed by the glory of God, mm -hmm. and um, I, would, I was in the presence of God, being mm -hmm. showered by the love and mercy of God, and um within myself two times i heard that i'm i'm home i'm home and i just knew this is the place and then um just watching carefully the christians how they behave how calm they were how um kind and accepting they they were um uh in in the western culture especially in america i've traveled a lot of places in the world especially in america because the Judeo-Christian roots, you don't have much of a contrast. When you're in a Muslim country, the people are struggling all of their lives to be accepted. They have their orphan spirit. They are working hard to be, to be accepted by others or being accepted by God. And how mad and upset and condemned and guilty you are. When you see find if you, you see a Christian, you just it's so easy to notice them. You just know this this guy it's just different. So when I was in the church, I was studying the Christians, and I'm like, look how um, mellow looking they are. And um, after after that church, it was an experience I had um, encountering the presence of God. The friend that led me to the Lord bought me a New Testament in Farsi, which is an illegal book in Iran. He bought a New Testament in Farsi, and then he told me, this is the living word of God written for your sake. So uh, he said, if you read this book, it will change your life. 
you know, in that in those days, I was just like, what is he telling me? Living word of God written for me. I just didn't make any sense. So, but I was on a journey to know the truth. And I just, before I want to publicize anything, I wanted to tell anyone I needed to know what I have committed is the truth or what they what this friend is telling me. It is the truth. So I took the book home and um, Friday to Friday, the day off is in Iran is Friday. So from Friday to Friday, I went through the um, four gospels five times each. I couldn't put the book down. And um, uh, the, the gospel of Matthew, uh, especially, it had so much in it that um, I really thought that this book is personally written for me. I thought to myself that Somebody has been walking around all of these years, studying my life and made this book, wrote this book for my particular situation. I And, and because a friend of mine told me this is the living of, word of God written for you, I said, maybe every Christian has a different type of Bible. So I went to the church next week and I asked people, can I look at your Bible? Can I look at your book? And then they would show it to me. I would compare it. It seemed that the verses, the, the words, everything looks similar. It just was the exact word. And I would ask them, is this book talk to you? Is How is this? And then they would say, yeah. And then they had other passages, other verses that talk to them. I'm like, what kind of a book is this? Talk to different people differently. I really thought I've been, I, I, I'm, I am being manipulated. You cannot write a book that so accurately describes your situation and offers solution to it. I can go through hundreds of verses, especially in the book of Matthew, when it talks about uh, don't be like hypocrites. When you pray, you would think you would be heard for your repetition, like the pagans do. That's all we did as Muslims. We had beads, we would repeat one sentence, we would repeat one name, we would just keep repeating it, repeating it all day long. Some nights I would stay up, do these prayers, this repetition, because I wanted to be heard. And I'm reading it in Matthew. Don't be like pagans that they would think they would be heard because they are repeating. I'm like, how this book knows this? Because if if Jesus was born or came 600 years pre-Islam, he cannot be describing Islam so good. Don't be like hypocrite that when you put, when you're fasting, you put the sad face up. That's all we did. Don't, don't pray publicly, he said. That's all we did as Muslims. We prayed publicly. That's what people were just showing off. And he just talked one point after another. He just talked against exactly what we did. I said, this cannot be a book written pre-Islam that could describe Islam and expose it this, this beautifully. So I thought I'm being manipulated. So I had to check other people's Bibles and books and realize that how is this even possible? That you have to be, it's, you're doing it unto God. You have to be in a private place. You have to close the closet door. That's your... You're praying to God, not to for people's sake and stuff like that. So I can go through a lot of things such as this. And then I came to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. 
Come to me who all labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. And I looked at the book and I said, how is even this possible that a book knows that I am laboring, I am heavy laden? Mm. The guilt and the condemnation of Islam was crushing me, crushing my back, the weight that I was trying to carry. The yoke of Islam was crushing me. I would do anything to have an easy yoke, a light burden. And it's sitting there, come to me and I will find rest for your soul. That my yoke is, is easy and my burden is light. And I'm, a low, I'm lowly in heart. I'm gentle. The harshest God of any religion is Islamic God. And now this God says, I'm gentle, I'm lowly, I'm a humble God. It is, I was just, I was just reading this book and I've been washed by the word of God. I was being transformed from inside out without even knowing it. Hmm. So through series of things, and of course, um, later on, I heard a, a Muslim man that um, needed healing. He had cancer, advanced cancer, and he needed healing. And um, the Christians prayed for him and he received healing uh, through the laying of hand. And he saw in that dream, as, as he was receiving the prayer, he had an open vision that this man with a hand, with a print of nail touching his throat. Wow. And he was instantly healed. And when, when I heard that, I said, wow, I read that in my Bible. It says you lay hand on the sick and they'll recover. It actually works. Mm -hmm. So um, after about a couple mon months of uh, trying to find the truth and trying to uh, knowing what Jesus has, has done for me and if what I have committed, it is not an emotional thing, but is actually truth. After I was settled in that, um, I was uh, through a series of things, of course, it was made public at home. And then my dad got very violent. He was a very abusive father anyway. So he kicked me out of the house where I could say I ran from home for my life. And then um, I was a active member of a, um, of a network of underground churches in Iran. And uh, I just was living the dream. Absolutely. I was just loving living with God and, and um, walking with Christ, walking in the spirit every day. We had such a great um, body of believers in Iran that they love the Lord. Um, I have been in um, meetings that the government of Iran gave every every believer in that small underground church. The government of Iran gave every one of those believers a letter that if you gather one more time as, as believers, as Christians, you have turned, you turned yourself in because it's over. Mm. They, they handed them their death warrants and they would bring their papers signed by the uh, court of Iran. They would bring their papers, put it down and worship Jesus. And me being with that kind of believers, I was just loving. Mm. Uh, I, I was just introduced to real uh, faith and the real uh, bravery and um 
but after being three years of an active member of, uh, of the body of Christ in Iran and um, doing a lot of activities, distributing a lot of Bibles and uh, CDs and books and things of that nature, um, somebody that I worked for told me that um, they have been, um, the intelligence agency of Iran has been, has, has been monitoring me and if they get their hand on me, not not that they only hurt me, they will hurt my family. I mean, at that time, my family, they were all Muslim. And I'm like, why would they, you know? So I just was, um, I just was sick and tired of um, um, this, this sort of threats and even uh, causing even more heartache for my family. So that's when I got out of Iran and, and escaped. What year was that? Uh, 2009. During that time, did any of your fellow believers, when they brought the death warrant in, did, did any of them actually die? Or I haven't uh, been in contact with a lot of believers, and I know a lot of them have uh, been um, tortured and thrown in prison, and terrible things has happened to them. So, But I haven't had much of a contact because... Uh, uh, we we didn't have a, a much of access to cell phones and phone numbers and 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 uh, because of the trust issues um, that wasn't a thing. So. So you're involved now with the Iran Christians dot org organization. Mm -hmm. Iranian Christians International. So um, uh, when I um, moved to the U.S. and uh, in 2019, I graduated from, from Bible College in uh, Colorado Springs, Caris uh, Bible College. And then um, um, just God uh, put me in, in, in a divine contact with this ministry. And then uh, uh, the founder at the time wanted to retire, and they were looking for somebody to um, uh, take his place. And um, I just, um, it's way too big of, a, big of a shoe for me to fill, but. Um, the grace of God has equipped me to do this. And then um, I took over the ministry in 2019. And uh, the ministry is involved in evangelism, discipleship of the uh, Iranians. And we help with the refugees. And um, we are 90% uh, of our ministry is in Middle East. And uh, this, this past um, month, because of the earthquake, we were very uh, in Turkey, Iran, and Syria. We're really involved there, and um, do we're doing a lot of relief work and bringing the hope to the people that ha they their lives were absolutely devastated in forty five seconds. Mm -hmm. You you wrote a book, uh, "Forsaking My Father's Religion." Mm -hmm. um, is that just like a witnessing tool to the? Uh... So, um, I wrote this book called "Forsaking My Father's Religion." forsaking my father's religion and um, it's been translated to five different languages and uh, it's in Russian, French, uh, Korean, um, Spanish, uh, English and they're missing one more language that has been translating those languages and I've been going all over the world and um, it's the book is free. There's a tab on our website you go on iranchristians.org and there's a tab that you can uh, click on the tab and then get a free copy so 
Okay, we'll be sure to put that in the description box. Uh, so when you, you converted, you really committed the unforgivable sin mm -hmm. in their eyes. Mm -hmm. Sp speak to the gravity of that. Well, um, uh, when, when you're an apostate, you're wor worthy of um, death. You just, uh, you're just telling them, you're declaring that I am an unclean, filthy uh, traitor that is worthy of death. And anybody uh, that kills me will get rewarded, actually, by Allah and by the Islamic regime. They would, they would be rewarded for killing uh, the apostate. And um, uh, that's the extent of the, con uh, the, the price of the conversion in our country. How can Americans uh, come alongside and uh, help the work that you're doing? Um, I actually take teams, um, American believers, American Christians, with me to Middle East. I will not um, share it here publicly, the location and what we do, but uh, we take teams of um, uh, nine, ten Americans, and then we team up with the Iranian believers, Iranian underground believers, and then we have um, uh, Farsi Bibles, Farsi New Testaments that we distribute among the Iranian tourists that they come out of Iran. And um, if, um, many people, they have said to me, uh, is it safe or um, or uh, uh, is it this even possible? What, what have you witnessed when you do this? And um, just last year in 2020-22, in 2022, we distributed over 15,000 Bibles in Iran and, and in Middle East among Persians. I have the salvation of over 400 people. I have personally baptized over 75 people, uh, 75 Muslims. And um, we do a lot of um, street evangelism, Bible distribution. And uh, we see a lot of miracles when we evangelize. And um, when people say, is, is this even possible? I tell them, come and see. It's just a fascinating time. Uh, Iranians are open to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, what a great time to be involved in such ministry. And then um, we do a lot of um, discipleship and leadership conferences that we bring Iranian pastors, Iranian believers outside of Iran, and we training, training them in one of the neighbor's countries of Iran, and then we send them back. We have uh, set up a print shop in Iran that we print uh, Bibles, we print uh, books, we uh, uh, print uh, Christian literature and material, and then we distribute it out in, in Iran. So there's a lot of things that um, people can help and, and get involved in. Um, we need finances. We are doing a lot of relief work at this time among the Turks, among the Iranians, from tents to uh, sleeping bags to uh, sanitation supplies, food, uh, many th uh, heaters, uh, flashlights, things of that nature that we need that um, uh, in situations such as this, when we minister to people uh, in dire need in, in this tragic situations, we have a lot of open doors to share the gospel with them. So there's a lot of things that they can get involved. I've read that there are different numbers that there could be a million to three million mm -hmm. believers now that it's probably the greatest revival 
that's going on right now with the underground church. Absolutely. It's the, the greatest revival since the inception of Islam that is happening in Iran. I believe with all of my heart, this could be the end time harvest that people believe this will happen before the second coming of the Lord. Hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, when you think about the, I guess we would say the bondage of the uh, Islamic people, mm -hmm. Iranian people, and the freedom that you have in Christ, um, that's got to be heartbreaking to look at your your people and go, wow, you know, I have this great message. I have this God that loves you, this God that died for you, this God that wants to give you eternal life. You don't have to beat yourself up. Mm -hmm. um, you must feel like Paul as he was looking at the fellow Israelis and, you know, he said, I wish myself accursed. I wish they could have their eyes open and they could see the, the beauty of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, we know the solution. It will not be um, a better government or better this or better that. The, the, the heart of the man is full of deceit and wickedness, and that needs to be transformed. And the only inner change, the only inner transformation that could happen, it is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that will take that stony heart out of you and give you a heart of flesh, uh, put his spirit within you, that you're not an orphan anymore. Call God Father. You become a child of God. You're received and accepted by God through what he has done for you, through his son. And um, the hatred is over. The war is over. You don't need to hate. That will change and transform you. You go from darkness to light. This is, this is the message of hope that we bring to the people. And at this time, they're, they're the most, I believe with all of my heart, they're the most open people group, the most open people nation in the world to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, and um, I might not know what would happen or what would hold tomorrow for them in regard to the political or, or, or situations such as that. But I know this. I'm persuaded that if they accept Jesus as their role and savior, if they receive Christianity, they would be set free from the bondage of Islam or the satanic bondages that are in their lives. Yeah, I've heard it said that uh, the oppressive regime that's currently in place right now in political power is actually, in some sense, a blessing to Christianity because the people are beginning to see that and are are starting to become fed up. You see protests in the streets more frequently Absolutely. now. Iranian people are the most anti-Islam people you would ever, the most, it's a, this could be a contradictory to a lot of people, but they're born Muslims, but they're the most anti-Muslim, anti-Islam, Islamic people anywhere in the world. They hate Islam out of their guts. They hate religion out of their guts because they know what a religious theocracy can do to them they just know it now 40 years ago they thought oh they would um the islam will bring this utopia of free electricity and water and bring the petroleum uh, uh money to their uh tables mm. but today they know all was nothing a lie 
Islam is nothing but a lie, a, a demonic, diabolic cult that wants to control them, abuse the woman, and sell the resources of the country for the proxy wars of hating Israel and America. So they hate that. Iranian people hate this regime, hate the Islamic regime, hate the Islamic doctrine that teaches to hate other people is a good thing. They just hate it. Mm -hmm. I know most Americans have probably vivid memories of the marching in the street. I, I think it was in the 80s, you know, death to America, death yeah. to America. And... Yeah, that's what we remember. And we thought this is over. The missionaries left. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it became a hostile environment. There was 200 to 400 Christians at the time in the whole country. But look what has happened. What Satan meant for evil yeah. of the Iranian people. It has turned beautifully. Hmm. Yeah. Are people uh, a little bit more bold about sharing their faith in Iran? Absolutely. Absolutely. Iranian believers are just first generation Christians of the, the um, Jerusalem and other places. It's just fascinating how bold and courageous they are. Wow. Praise God. And you mentioned uh, the people want proof, miracles. Speak a little bit to that if uh, if you don't mind. Apostle Paul in the book of uh, first book of Corinthians said, the Jews seek sign, but the Greek saints seek wisdom. He was comparing the East culture with the Western culture. In the West, we all talk about logical things. Let's debate this and blah, blah, blah. And uh, that's why we have so many books in the West. In the East, it's just the story of Elijah. If your God is real, he'll show up. Yeah. So that's, that's what they're seeking. Signs. And that's what God is doing. A lot of signs, dreams, visions, miracles, amazing things we've seen. Amazing things. I've seen people, Muslim people, walking out of wheelchairs, uh, receiving sight to their eyes. Uh, uh, the, the hearings um, restored to their to them. Cancer flee. It's just amazing things we have, we have witnessed. So, yeah, I think when people see those miracles, the signs and the wonders, it tends to give them faith to to believe that this is true. Absolutely, absolutely. Their God is dead. Our God is alive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like the passage in Judges chapter 6, verse 13. It says, if God be with us, where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of? So, you know, the Hebrew mindset, you really couldn't separate God from miracles. Yeah. If God was present, they expected something supernatural to happen. Even you see it in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus and Jesus. You know, here's one of the religious leaders. He says, you know, we know you're a man sent from God for no man can do these things you do except, and it's those same four words, except God be with him. You trace it on out to Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And it's those same four words for God was with him. So, Absolutely. God is a spirit, is supernatural beyond this natural world. And uh, when things, when you're with God and doing what he has called you to do, supernatural is just a given. It's just a given. It's just a part of the deal. 
it's part of the package. You preach the gospel, he will he will prove it with signs and wonders. That is just it's just a promise of the Bible. When you look at the commitment of American Christians versus the commitment that people have to put into uh, Iran, I would think there'd be quite a contrast. Um, I love America. I love the evangelicals of America. I believe that um, God is not done with America, even though a lot of nonprofit profit, they say that God is judging America and blah, blah. Those are balonies because um, America's uh, plays a very specific part in the plan of God, in the purposes of God, in, in fulfilling the Great Commission. Yeah. This, this nation has sacrificed a lot of money, sacrificed a lot of missionaries to send the Great Commission, to, to fulfill the Great Commission, to, send, to take the gospel around the world. So thank God for America, for Americans, for American believers. Uh, it's just that when, in the context that we, we are there, that's a different context. This is a different context here. And um, if I compare it, you're comparing oranges and, and, and apples. Yeah, I guess I was kind of just looking at is um, there. There's uh, for for most of us, there's really no cost. Mm -hmm. If if in in the context of um, yeah, in the context of uh, persecution, maybe not to that degree, but um, we have we have a lot of persecution in the West. We have a lot. When uh, you can get fired from your job for preaching the gospel as a teacher, if you stand up as a nurse praying for people, they, they kick you out. That's persecution. It's just that they may not kill you yet, but there is persecution. You may, you may lose friends and family. We did that too. We lost friends and family. Apostle Paul told Timothy, for everyone that stands for righteousness, for godliness, it's persecution is guaranteed if as a believer you're not being persecuted something wrong yeah i was talking to a pastor in canada yesterday and the persecution he's gone through with uh standing up for biblical truths um against keeping their church open i mean we had in california lawsuit after lawsuit the founder of our ministry was sued two times from this uh homosexual openly homosexual governor we have for for the sake of keeping the school open mm -hmm. it's just this is persecution i don't know what else you could call it yeah well you look at there's just such an agenda behind that and it's all um against the lord against biblical teachings it's uh it's against christ it's the spirit of antichrist in them yes it is yeah and just the whole uh sexuality that who would have ever thought that you would have a Supreme Court justice before the world of live TV cameras being quizzed about something so basic as you know what is a man what is a woman and she says I'm I'm not qualified to make an answer like that this this was said by a woman that she cannot define what woman is I mean how pervert of a mind how, how twist of of a mind that is that you cannot define yourself it's amazing yeah and you know you just never would have thought you would hear that being uttered by someone on this potentially a supreme court at the time justice 
uh, that they don't know basic biology, the basic truth of God's word that God created them male and female. Uh, we want to stray from that and create our own reality or our own being being God in our own eyes. Yes, it really is. Any um, any words? Any final words you want to speak? I just want to say, um, um, if you have a heart for Muslims, if you want to experience some real mission trips and seeing some salvations and miracles, and you want to be stirred up for the end time uh, harvest that the God has, just come and join us. Come and see. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us, Muhammad. My pleasure, brother. Thank you.